This interview on Beyond Reality Paranormal with Wendy Williams has been divided into two parts. This is the second of the two parts. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Welcome to the program, everyone. I hope the audio issues that we were experiencing last night have been fixed. I see somebody in our YouTube chat saying it's loud. So that, to me, is a fix because last night we had uh, the levels weren't quite high enough. We've had all sorts of like gremlins working in the studio the last couple of weeks, and I don't know how all of that happened, but I spent a good deal of time with my engineer uh, trying to figure it all out. So hopefully that means we did just that and we uh, sound good tonight. I'm hoping that, at least as good as we can sound, right? We will start this show after the break. It's Beyond Reality. We'll be right back. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tonight we're talking with Wendy Rose Williams, past life adventure guide, author of a few books. We're talking about a couple of them here tonight. Wendy, um, let's talk about ghosts. Let's talk about your experience that you uh, have written about in The Flow, Plymouth Plantation. Tell tell us what that book's about. Sure. Um, That book, it's historic fiction, it's metaphysical fiction, but it's, uh, it's my past life at Plymouth Plantation in what's now Massachusetts. And what happened was I got married in 1989, and we had the good fortune to purchase a home a few months later. And my husband uh, traveled extensively, and uh, he would be gone for at least two weeks of the month, so, you know, 50% or more travel. And very, very quickly, the first night or two that he was gone, uh, I was really surprised to just hear footsteps coming up the stairs. Our master bedroom was right at the top of the stairs. It was a two-story colonial. And it woke me up because it scared the bejesus out of me because I'm hearing footsteps and he's out of town. There should not be footsteps in the home. Again, this is 1989. There's no cell phone. You know, I don't have a landline in the bedroom. And I'm freaking out. I'm like getting up as quietly as I can, trying to put a chair under the doorknob Sure. because we didn't have a lock. And I'm like, what is going on? And I realized the footsteps had faded away. And I'm like, well, that's not good either. Is there a person in the house or is there not a person in the house? Should I open this bedroom door or not? Um, so I waited probably a good five minutes and then decided I really, I heard nothing. And I decided I really did need to go check the house and secure. And, you know, I'm like turning on all the lights and turning on the outside lights and looking around. And it had snowed. It was February. I could see there were no footsteps outside because there's fresh snow. So it's like, okay, then how was I hearing those footsteps? This just is not making sense. So I make sure everything's all locked up and I go back to sleep again after quite a while. 
And the same thing happens the next night. And I'm like sitting up in bed and I'm pinching the inside of my arm because I'm like, because it would start as a dream. Each time it would start as a dream to hear these footsteps, but then it would so scare me, I would wake up. And I knew I was awake because I'd pinched my arm hard enough. I had a bruise in the morning. So I absolutely knew I didn't, you know, just keep dreaming this. And this went on and on. And it was like, it was like a movie and it was like playing a little bit further each night. So I started realizing Oh, and after the very first night this happened, my first phone call in the morning, we didn't have an alarm system because in those days they were super expensive. My very first call the next morning, the first time it happened, was to a locksmith. And I'm like, I need you to come to my house. I need you to come immediately after work today. And we need to put a really good lock on my bedroom door. And locksmith doesn't ask any questions. He's like, sure, we can do that. And, you know, I got him scheduled. So I'd done that. So I knew the bedroom door was firmly locked. But I'm hearing these footsteps, and I start to realize they sound like really, like, light, not like a man, like, tromping up in boots or, you know, big feet or whatever. I realized they sounded small, Mm -hmm. like a woman or a child. They were kind of tentative. And I also realized that it was like the walls of the house were falling away, and I could see this big boulder And I started seeing this young girl, like it's on the cover of the book, and I knew she was from colonial American pilgrim times because she had the little white kerchief over her hair and she had the white apron over her clothing. It's just distinctive clothing. So I knew it was colonial American times. And it seemed like she was like in her late teens, and I could just feel this heartbreak from her, just this incredible heartbreak. And she would do the same thing every time. So I'm waking up every night seeing this girl and I'm like sitting straight up in bed, like kind of like watching and hearing and feeling what she's feeling. And she would try and um, climb up this, this big rock without getting her outfit dirty. I sensed that, you know, she was wearing like her best outfit. And well, why do you wear your best outfit to, you know, try and climb up this rock? So she would get up the rock and I could see the little lace-up boot she had on and she would like shimmy up on like a like a blanket or a piece of cloth and she'd sit on the top of it and I knew she was looking directly east to the water and I could feel her waiting for the man that she loved to come home on a ship she was waiting for her man to come home on you know via the sea and I'm like right. oh my gosh it's like an old spice commercial here <laughs> because her man's not coming and she's just heartbroken because she doesn't have any closure because she didn't know what happened to him. So this went on and on for nights and nights and nights. And I didn't know what to do with it because I didn't know if I was like picking up on something that had actually happened on that property And I tried to talk to my mom, and she's like, "Uh, Wendy, what's wrong with you? You just must be freaked out because you're living on two acres, and, you know, your husband's gone so much. And, you know, you're kind of far from civilization out there, and you need to get an alarm or something. (laughs) You need to settle down, girl. And I tried to talk to my husband, and he just gave me the look. So that was the end of that conversation. 
And I just, I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And again, it's 1989, 1990. You can't just like jump on the internet and like look for a YouTube about these sorts of experiences. And I didn't know any psychics and I wouldn't have gone to one if I did to say, I'm having this experience. Can you help me make sense of it? It just was outside my frame of reference. It was outside my belief system. So this went on the entire uh, three, three and a half years that we lived in that home. And what was interesting was we had three different guests who stayed at different times, a cousin, uh, one of my best friends from college, and one of my um, former husband's uh, friends. Not fanciful people, just, you know, down-to-earth, practical people. Nobody believes in ghosts. Nobody's going to psychics. And each time one of them would stay overnight, I'm just being a good hostess the next morning. I'm like, how'd you sleep? You know, you need any more blankets, need any more towels? Mm -hmm. And all three of them said to me, I have to tell you about this crazy, vivid dream I had last night. And there's this young colonial American girl with this long reddish-brown hair, and she is heartbroken. And her guy's not coming back. And my jaw just dropped. Because how could they have the same dream and the same experience and wake up and be seeing what... I never told them about it. I never communicated that information other than trying to have the conversation with my mom and my husband who both were like, "Mm, no, don't want to hear about it. That's not real. So that was very interesting validation to have, you know, three people have that same experience. So I concluded we had a ghost on the property because I didn't know what else to conclude from it. And I didn't know how to help her. I would have loved to have helped her, but I didn't know what to do with her. Um, So we moved. Uh, We moved from there. And honestly, I tried to forget about it. I thought it was something unique to that property. And 20 years went by. And what happened next was I'm living in Seattle. We haven't been in Boston for years. Um, And one of my best friends contacts me and tells me, are you sitting down? And she never said that to me before. I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting down. Okay. And she said, I need to share something kind of unusual and difficult with you. Um, I need you to hear me out and let's just talk for five minutes. And I want you to know I'm really here for you. And I'm like, okay, again, what is this leading to? And what she told me was she had gone to East West Books to purchase um, a new book by Brian Weiss. And instead, she physically could not buy that book. She instead bought a book called Sacred Spaces. She's like, it's like that book was like glued to my hand. I could not get out of the store without buying that other book instead. She got home. She tried to put sacred spaces down, and she said she just felt compelled to read one chapter in it, which was about how to clear your home of a ghost, which she thought was very strange because she didn't really believe in ghosts or feel like she had any issues in her home. But she'd read that chapter. Two or three nights later, her dog wakes her up in the middle of the night. She goes to let the dog out into the backyard trying not to wake her family up, and the dog instead goes insane barking at something on the ceiling of the living room, um, up by the living room fan or whatever, up mm-hmm. on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. 
And she said she looked up and she felt this incredible sense of heartbreak of a young colonial American girl. Wow. And that that girl was me. Oh, and that wow. I needed to get my my needed to get myself together because I literally had I had literally become a ghost after that life and was not taking responsibility for my own energy and I'm now off bothering friends. And another friend told me that very same night that her alarm had tripped in her house that night and she'd gotten up and, you know, was really startled. And, you know, again, you got to go through the drill of, is the house secure? Was that a false alarm? What's going on? And she kept hearing my name. She just kept hearing Wendy. There's a problem with Wendy. So it was two of them. It was very interesting. So it's like, how do I take responsibility for this? I didn't know you could be incarnated and also be here as a ghost. And how do you resolve your own ghost? Yeah, I'm, I, I actually... <laughs> what do you do with that? Yeah, I, I mean, have you come to terms with this? Because I'm having trouble comprehending it. It if is you can... really hard to understand because... If you can even, you know, wrap your head around the thought of ghosts and right. ghosts needing to be helped to the light sometimes, and sometimes realtors can't sell a house because it just feels like there's um, old energy there, um, you know, that has not, not gone to the light, or, or some, you know, ghost whisperers, some psychics, certain people work with ghosts um, regularly. But this was really outside of our our frame of our frame of reference for my friends and I. Um, you know, again, like really practical people working in computer technology and you know MBAs, and we're like scratching our heads, going, "What the heck is going on here?" So I spoke with two. Um, I did have two friends at that point who were. Uh, wonderful psychic mediums, um, and, you know, we're working day jobs, but we're, we're had those gifts and we're doing that, you know, as part-time jobs. And I went to both of them separately and said, I think I have an issue um, with a ghost. And both of them looked at me without me saying it. And they said, oh my gosh, that ghost is you. And they both said, that's above my pay grade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't help you with that. You need to take responsibility and you need to clean up your energy. And I'm like, well, how? I mean, this is just really twisting my brain. Here, here, so, here's, a, here's a thought. I just want to interrupt because I don't want to lose this idea. Some people are starting to believe that ghosts, what we call ghosts, are actually projections from the living of an energy uh, whether it's uh, it's it's an it's a, a a dreamlike energy or it's something else, but it's actually a projection from within somebody. So could you, could you and your ghost, could you be projecting that energy, creating that ghost from yourself? Yes, I think that was a piece of it. Was I I believe I did not properly do what I needed to do in 1675. I was so hung up on how I had died that I did not cross over. So I believe that energy was still here 
Yeah, but and that, I attract it that's, back that's, to myself. That, that's not quite to take what, care of it. Yeah, that's not quite what I'm I'm thinking here, and, okay. and and my idea might be completely off the wall. I don't know, but I, but some people contend that uh, ghostly activity is actually uh, something manifested within the living and being projected. What I'm okay, like like poltergeist. Well, that's one you're example. Things move. That's and one that example. Sort of thing. Sure, that's one example. I think I think that can I think that can be going on too, and I was having some poltergeist activity um, in my home, which I truly believe was me because I was so upset. Yeah. So it would be it would be late at night. I would be the only one up. I'd be like working at my computer in the dining room, and it was always kitchen crashing noises. It was like you know, like a plate would fall on the sink that shouldn't have fallen or like my briefcase would fall over in the kitchen. And I'm like, you know, the window's closed. There's no breeze. The cat didn't do it. No one else is up. What is going on here? And I really think it was my own energy not being balanced. So do you, but do you think, do you think this girl, this young girl in colonial dress who experienced great tragedy do you think that was a spirit that hadn't crossed over? Or do you think that yes, was exactly. you projecting what, I don't know if it's what you remember from that past life, or the, the I don't know, I'm just having trouble putting this into words because it's such a fascinating concept, and you're introducing this idea to me for the first time. Um, in In my case, I believe... I lived a past life as right. Anne Warren Little in the 1600s, mm-hmm. and when I died in my 60s, very suddenly in, a, in King Philip's War, um, arrow in the left lower rib cage, I remember that past life in great detail and ridiculous detail. I mean, I've written hundreds of pages about it. That Those are not things I looked up in the history books. It just, you know, incredible because I needed to release the energy because I hadn't forgiven. I hadn't moved on. I just really felt um, that I was meant to have a marriage and a relationship with someone. And I was so confused why he never came back. Um, So (laughs) talk about issues with abandonment. Um, Get over it, Wendy. Oh, my goodness. So I believe I did not cross over because... I believe that's what leads to a ghost. I believe a ghost is energy that should have gone to the light when the body was dropped. I believe our soul is meant to go up to the light, to heaven, to, you know, whatever your your belief system is, whatever your term is. And I believe you can be so disoriented by um, a, an unexpected quick death, like in wartime or, or a car accident or die in surgery, you know, a simple little procedure you know, just something that's so shocking that you don't know you're dead or you're not willing to accept it. Or there can be such strong emotions that you're like looking backwards. You're looking at the life that ended and you're not letting go. You just need to let go. And I clearly did not do that. So I believe that energy was still there um, in Massachusetts until I moved back to Massachusetts. I wasn't born there. I moved there after college um, and moved onto a property where I then amazingly, strangely, appear to have attracted my own ghost so that I could clean it up. 
And the way I cleaned it up when the two uh, psychic medium friends both said, sorry, that's above my pay grade, um, I asked them what to do. And one of them said, oh, my gosh, I know the perfect spiritual teacher, and she can help you with this. And she specializes in ghosts, and, you know, she's just amazing. And so I got in touch with her. Um and she was able to uh, help me, help me resolve it and help me resolve so many things. I actually ended up studying with her for the first four years. And that was um, just a big, a big relief um, and so much of what I needed. And it really helped get me on the path and it helped give me structure where I just hadn't known, um, you know, what was what and what was going on. So, um, most people don't have an experience where they meet their own ghost. This is pretty unique. <laughs> and, and from what I'm understanding, you actually helped your ghost transition to the light. Yes. What, yes. what does it take to make that happen, whether you're doing it for your own ghost or just a ghost that might be in your house? Right. It's pretty atypical to be doing it for your own, your own, your own self. And let me tell you, she, I was just incredibly stubborn, which I think was why, you know, we, I'm just going to say we, because it's one soul, we're still here 300 plus years later. Um, Usually it's pretty darn easy. It's just ghosts typically have a reason why they're here. And I mean, if you're, if you're psychic enough that you're noticing them there and you're able to, you know, meditate or work with them in ritual or, you know, whatever it is. It can be as simple as just calling the angels, calling their ancestors and say, please take this energy up to the light. This, this does not belong here. I'm not comfortable having this in my home or on my property. I want to help this, this energy, you know, go on up to a higher vibration or, you know, maybe you're clearing an office. Because, again, that's, that's a little secret about realtors is realtors are more often than you think um, hiring people to do this type of work. And then suddenly the house sells or the uh, business um, does better or the business, you know, building is able to rent or get a new lease or whatever. It's very, very interesting. Um, I think that's kind of like a little, little known fact. Um, so what what I chose to do was I knew why why she had chosen to stick around um, and I knew who the sea captain was that had brought her over that she thought she was meant to marry and again um, the path led back to the, the former boyfriend who woke me up and I asked him if he would help me. Um, we were no longer dating. I'm sure it sounded like the Talk about my crazy ex-girlfriend. I, I could have, you know, premiered that on Netflix. Um, <laughs> to have somebody come to you and say, I have this ghost situation, and the ghost is me, and you're a part of it, and will you please help me? I mean, and but I just laid it out for him and told him what I believed had happened and why it had happened and what our part was in it. And we just kind of came up with with a ritual and just talked to her and told her that she was loved and wanted at home and that there was going to be a magnificent party and celebration when she crossed on over. I mean, it's that portion of me. And 
she uh, said, well, yes, I'll go, but I want to go to his birthday party first because I need to be acknowledged. And he said yes, and I'm like looking at him in horror, like, I'm not going to go to your birthday party with this other apparition with me. This is just Twilight Zone, and I don't watch the Twilight Zone. This is just weird. So uh, she was around me another four or five days, just absolutely driving me nuts. Uh, I did not feel well. You know, the, the crashing of the stuff in the kitchen, I felt so out of sorts. I felt so tearful. I, it just, I was, it was really hard to focus, to work, to drive, to take care of my kids. It was really hard to do basic life 101. Um, I was just waiting for his birthday party to come up. And what happened at the birthday party was before I went that day, um, she kind of dictated a letter to me. And I read it to him aloud. He'd asked for toasts rather than gifts. So I read it aloud as a toast and just said it was from, um, you know, someone that couldn't attend. And it was from someone named Anne. And he just looked me straight in the eye. And as I looked at him, I could see him as a sea captain. He didn't look like now, didn't look like current day. And he just looked me straight in the eye and said, I just want Anne to know how special she was to me. And I really want to um, apologize for some things that um, didn't work out correctly in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And that was all he needed to say. And it sounds crazy and it sounds like, you know, so little, but it's like we were like having the conversation on a whole different level and no one else in the room knew what was going on. But I felt like Anne Warren Little was finally acknowledged by Captain William Pierce, and that she got her apology and was told that she was special. And that evidently is a hallmark of why people are hanging around, is they're wanting some acknowledgement, they're wanting an apology. And then um, I was able to get her to go to the light. I went home that night, and I just lit a candle and, you know, told her, bon voyage, and you need to hit the road, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> to yourself. You're saying, this okay. to, you're saying this to yourself, your, your ghost. Yes, wow. which I know that just sounds crazy. If It uh, just sounds crazy. It was like talking with, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Um, I, I can't imagine how hard it must be to have schizophrenia or to have multiple personality disorder, but it really was like talking with another aspect of myself, but she felt very separate. You know, it felt yeah. like, it felt like I had a super stubborn, annoying girlfriend or relative in the room that I knew so well <laughs> and just needed to go to the light. <laughs> uh, we had a question. This has actually come up in a different, couple different forms. Scroll through our chat sure. room, and I want to ask it too. It's more of a mechanical question based on what we've been talking about here. But if you can see and experience your own ghost, then I'm assuming one of the things that people have believed for a long time is the ghost is some kind of uh, uh, um, incarnation of your soul, but it can't be the case if your soul is in your physical form at the time. Does that make any sense? Yes. Let me address that. That's a fantastic question. My belief is our soul energy is really tremendous and large, 
when we're at home and we're not in a physical body because you don't have to take care of the body. You don't have to sleep. You don't have to eat. You know, there's nothing but pure love and no judgment. So you've got a lot of energy. And I believe we incarnate into whatever physical form we choose with a portion of that energy. So she was, you know, another aspect, another portion of my energy. And I believe we've got a portion of our energy always at home with the light. So I was in three places. You know, I was here as me, Wendy Rose Williams. I still had energy here as a ghost of Anne Warren Little. And there was a portion of my higher self at home. Wow. It's a a fascinating um, story. And you took that as the foundation for uh, a fictional book, right? the book is I fictionalized, is fictionalized it. It but just it's too darn weird to write. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fascinating nonetheless. Um, we're, we're, sadly, we, we've kind of reached the end of our time here. Uh, I do want to ask a couple non-related questions because I know you have an opinion and you brought it up in the beginning of our discussion. You said that, you, you know, after your, your first marriage, I think it was, and you got divorced and you met your soulmate online and, your soulmate was the person that kind of brought you into this path. How do you define a soulmate in that regard? I believe a soulmate is someone that we incarnate with many times. I believe we've got, there's different types of soulmates. Uh, You know, the one that pop culture is so into is the romantic soulmate. Right. But I believe that there's also uh, amazing friends who are soulmates. You know, it's our best friends or Maybe you've just got this incredibly special relationship with with a parent, with a sibling, with a child, with a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, you know, some some um some uh, biologic family can be can be that type of a soulmate. Or maybe you meet that best friend in elementary school and you're in touch your entire lives, you know, no matter who moves where and you know, no matter what goes on. So this There are different types of soulmates, but people typically are only tuned into the romantic soulmates. I believe the purpose of soulmates is to help us learn lessons and that we plan them um, before we incarnate. And some of those lessons can be really rough, like the I found the contract with the soulmate um, that woke me up that's in Regression Healing 1. I found the contract for him to wake me up spiritually. Well, that's great. Isn't that a wonderful, easy contract? Yes and no. It was actually not that easy um, to have, you know, gone through. It wasn't even a 180 for me. It was a full 360. I lost a lot of friends. Um, You know, a lot of people uh, just stopped talking to me because I became wacky Wendy to them. (laughs) And that's okay. Um, But, you know, it was painful at the time because I hadn't understood what the process was going to be. Um, and there's just, there's just, you know, those changes going on. And then the second contract that I found that we had agreed to before we incarnated was that he was to break my heart repeatedly until I stood in my power fully without abusing it. That's a brilliant contract, but obviously not very fun to have your heart broken repeatedly, but It resolved, it allowed me to resolve, I had a lot of karma for being a heartbreaker. 
So it allowed me to be on the receiving end of that and to uh, get a lot more kind and thoughtful and careful in my romantic relationships because I got to be on the receiving end of that. And it also was very important that I step into my power fully without abusing it. And I was, what I was doing was I kept pulling back. It's like I would get on deck and then I wouldn't go up to the plate and I wouldn't bat because I was so afraid of abusing my power by going too far with it. But that meant I wasn't living my life purpose. So, you know, he just kept encouraging me and or alternately pushing me, you know, not so gently at times to get over the fear around um, public speaking. I had a crippling fear of public speaking. So he did a lot of coaching with me. He was a sportscaster and was just, you know, fearless in that area. He couldn't understand the fear at all, but he, you know, just helped me practice so many times. He helped me get the book published and just, you know, so many things that was to get me to step into my power fully. And whenever I wasn't doing it, um, I'd be back in the place where I was getting my heart broken again. So I started to catch on. I need to do my work here. Yeah. Um, the Flow One, Plymouth Plantation, when, with the one in there, I'm assuming there's going to be a two? Yes, it's a prequel to a trilogy. Um, I've got 1,200 pages drafted of the next the next three books, but what's actually going to come up next is Regression Healing 2, okay. Joe and Marilyn, um, because I had the great good fortune to have multiple sessions um, with a middle-aged woman to her great surprise has some pretty profound memories as Joe DiMaggio and a young gal over in Europe uh, who has remembered what appears to be memories as Marilyn Monroe um, ever since her childhood. So, sure, we can debate it. Is it real? Is it not real? All I can tell you is there's a tremendous amount of detail and there's multiple sessions um, from those two. And it's pretty neat because they recognized each other and they realized they needed to forgive each other. Because it so often comes down to forgiveness. Because Joe and Marilyn had that short, uh, tumultuous marriage. That's right, yeah. Friends for decades, but uh, tumultuous uh, marriage, I think it was less than a year. Um, and some, you know, just some some uh, tough stuff to release there. So it's interesting how forgiveness comes up so many times as the lesson that hadn't quite been mastered. When will that be available, Wendy? Um, I'm targeting fall, but I never know. I, I don't, it's not a normal process because it just, I have to move so much energy. I've had yeah. so many people tell me that they can just, they can feel it. And, you know, psychics and shaman and people will say, oh, you're getting close or, oh, I can feel you're stuck. I can feel all kinds of people knowing this energy is like shifting and uh, targeting fall and we'll see. So both Regression Healing 1 and The Flow 1, both available on Amazon? Both available on Amazon and both available on Audible as audiobooks. Terrific. Wendy, thanks so much for being here tonight. It was great uh, to have you on. Fascinating conversation. Really appreciate your work. Well, thank you so much. I just appreciated your questions and helping uh, make sense of some uh, pretty, pretty uh, out there topics for uh, this MBA. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it fun. And I look forward to having you back on the program. Thank you. I would absolutely love that.
You've been listening to Beyond Reality Paranormal, a two-part interview with Wendy Williams. This was the second of the two parts. If you haven't listened to the first, please do so. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.